Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to Brian. Yeah, great to have you guys here. Um, we want to welcome especially those watching online this morning. Thank you for joining us uh, through Facebook or YouTube. Um, I do not have to welcome our Cincy and Bainbridge campus this morning because they actually have live preaching going on there. Um, but I do have a shameless plug to put in. So next Sunday, we're going to be live streaming not only to Bainbridge, not only to Cincinnatus, but to our pre-launch uh, preview worship gathering of our Valley Campus. So exciting, exciting news. So we actually will be doing that back in our community room. So if you haven't heard anything about this, but you are interested in the Valley Campus and what we're what, what we're planning to do uh, south of us, um, join us next Sunday back there uh, at 10 o'clock. So, all right, so enough of uh, the commercials. Um, let's just, let's talk about our, our sermon series. So we're, we're continuing this series in the book of Colossians, and, and we've entitled this Refocus, Clarity in Confusing Times. And I want to ask you a question if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever been driving down the road, maybe out here on Route 12, and, um, and, you know, let's be honest, you know, maybe you're going about 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, right? You, you figure that's the safe speed, right? So you're, you're, you're moving along pretty good, but then all of a sudden a car like this comes up behind you. Now, maybe not a red Ferrari quite like that, but, but a car comes up behind you, very quickly comes up. Uh, maybe they're tailgating you, they're flashing their lights, they're frustrated because even though you're going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, in their mind, you are not going fast enough. But yet they can't pass and they're frustrated. All right, well, maybe, maybe you've had just the opposite thing happen. Maybe you've been driving down the road and you don't have a care in the world. You don't have any place to be on, on time. You, you, you don't care. Maybe, so maybe you're driving 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. In fact, maybe you're, maybe you're driving a car like this. Now, if, if that's what you're driving, um, I'm sorry. On a lot of levels, I'm sorry. But maybe you're driving along, you know, 10 miles an hour below the speed limit. And then people are coming up behind you and they're frustrated and they're angry because you're not going fast enough. Well, I share that with you because I think that illustrates a problem that we continue to face in churches today. It's this, it's, it's this conflict of legalism versus liberalism. There, there are those that want to hold back the church. They, they want to hang on to, to their traditions. Um, they have rules. Uh, sometimes there are even unwritten rules that you just aren't aware of until you violate one of them. And they get really upset with you if you try to move too fast. But then on the opposite end of the extreme, you've got, you've got those that they want to change everything. They, they, they basically want to start over again. They, they don't want any remnants of tradition or any practices of, of the church. They, they just want to start completely fresh and over again. And they look at that other group and they say, you know what, you're stuck in the old ages. You're, you're moving too slow. We want to move faster. We want to keep going. We want, to, we want to change everything. And I think this is a struggle that, that we have, not only in churches today, but I think individually 
I think we all wrestle. If, we, if we're honest with this, maybe we've had personal experiences with this. You know, personal experiences with, with somebody judging us, uh, not understanding the unwritten rules. Or maybe, maybe we've been the one that's been judging and, and looking at other people and, and saying, you know, I have this idea of what I think the Bible says about this, and so therefore my idea is right, and you need to follow and do what I do. And here's the thing. The problem with that is there are people on the outside, there are, there are, there are unbelievers that are on the outside of the church, and they're looking in. And they see this struggle, this battle taking place. And many of them ask this question. They ask, isn't Christianity just a bunch of outdated rules? Now listen, we, if you've been here a while, you know I've used this illustration before. Because really this battle isn't anything new. It's been going on for a millennia. In fact, in fact, Jesus confronted this multiple times with the religious leaders of his day. Here's, here's what Matthew says. that Jesus was talking about the religious leaders and said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as if they're commands from God. Now, I've also used this illustration before because we, we looked at Ephesians. We went through the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about unity in the church. And, and it talks about this battle of legalism versus liberalism. In fact, if you, if you look at, at almost all of Paul's writings, whether it's to the Romans, whether it's to Corinthians, whether it's Galatians, Ephesians, like he had to address this issue with almost every early church of the first century. And guess what? It hasn't gone away. So let's take a look in Colossians. So we're, as we're going through the book of Colossians, we're coming across this in chapter 2. So if you would join me in Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 6 through 23. And I will be reading in the New Living Translation. And so if you want to use a chair Bible, you're welcome to do that. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, uh, you are free to take one of those home with you. They're, they're there as our gift for you. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Well, what we're talking about this morning is for people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But there's, there's a word there that kind of gets lost, it, and, and I love the, the New uh, Living Translation because it, it, it puts it in simple language. But there's a word there that, that's used in several other translations. It's the word, therefore. And whenever you see that word, I think you've heard us say this before, it, whenever you see the word, therefore, you need to ask a question, right? What is it, therefore? And when you see, so when you see this, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Therefore, is saying, based on all the other stuff that we've seen before in this passage, how are we now to live? And, and so 
in verse 6, it's really it's pointing back to the early part of chapter 2, but, it, but it's also pointing back to everything that Justin talked about last week in chapter 1. The fact that based on the fact of, of who Jesus is, of, of the fact that he is the supreme being, that he is the creator, and, and not only the creator, but the sustainer of all things. So based on that, here's how we should live. But then there's, there's another therefore. If you go down to verse 16, it, again, it says in the New Living tra- Translation, it says, so, so don't let anyone condemn you. But, but in the other translations, several other translations, it says, therefore, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. So it, it, again, it's pointing back and it's saying, so based on these things, based on, on the verses that precede this, so let's, let's work our way through these verses and, and see what this says that, that we're supposed to be basing our ideas on. So it goes all the way back to verse 7. It says, let your, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Speaking of Jesus, that, that when your faith will grow strong in truth that you were taught, you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love that phrase. Don't let people deceive you with that. Don't, let, don't be captured by that. Because those things come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and every authority. You see, when you came to Christ, when you made the decision to be a Jesus follower, you were circumcised. But, but not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. I love the song earlier talked about that, that your, our heart needs a surgeon. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And we had a great picture of that this morning, didn't we? In, in, in the testimony of Ramona, and, and the, the, the reason why we do baptism by immersion is to have that picture of that we were, we were dead in our sins, we're buried with Christ, but we are raised in new life. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, that's the therefore. It's, it's based on all those things that Jesus has done. The first therefore points back to all the things that Jesus is, who he is. But then we, we have this expansion of, of not only who Jesus is, but what Jesus has done for us. And then that leads us into verses 16 through 19. It says, so don't, anyone, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they had a vision about these things. 
Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he who holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You see, you have you've died with Christ, and he has set you free. Here's the thing. You know, when you look at this, there's, there's a phrase that's repeated a couple of times here in verses 16 and 18. Don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone judge you. Have you ever had that? Have, have you ever felt judged by someone else? Something that really is an extra biblical thing. You know, they've taken a little bit of truth of the Bible, but they've added man-made ideas to it and man-made rules. And then they've judged you based on it. But let's be honest. I think we've all been on the other side of that equation as well. I'm sure that, that there are times that we can look back and we can say, yeah, I've, I've probably judged some other people for things that were my particular pet peeve or the thing that I thought was really important. But in hindsight, we realize it, it probably wasn't that biblical. Right? It's just, it was just our rules. It was our preferences. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. So let me talk about COVID vaccinations this morning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not that crazy, okay? I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night, okay? Or as my roommate would say in college, I didn't just wobble off their watermelon wagon, all right, so let me, okay, so let's roll back the, 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 the time frame here and, and pick a controversy that used to be a really big deal. So, you know, like many years ago, before the music worship wars, before all the controversies are today, the biggest controversy that our churches wrestled with was alcohol. Oh, oh for the days that that was our biggest problem, right? Our biggest, our, our biggest controversy. But, but let me just talk through this as, as a means of illustrating what we're talking about here because there, there's, there's kind of four camps that can, that can form with this. All right, so I think as we look at Scripture, I think we can agree that the Bible is very clear that drunkenness is wrong. It, it, it literally is an issue of control, that if, that if you allow alcohol or drugs or whatever else, if you allow that to, to, to control you, that that's the problem. Okay, so that biblically, it's very clear that drunkenness is wrong. But now, there are some people that, that make the choice, they make the conviction that this is a gray area. And, and, and so they say, you know what, I'm going I'm to be safe and I am not going to drink alcohol. The problem is that there are, there are some, not all, but some of the people that make that decision that then say, you're not very righteous, you're not a very holy person because you don't follow my opinion on this issue. See, that's legalism, right? So that's one group. You got the group that, that, that sees it, that recognizes it, they make the decision, they, they have the conviction, they're not going to drink alcohol. But they're not imposing their, their view on everyone around us. They're, they're not judging people. That, that they just, they've made their personal choice. That's group two. There's group three that, that would say, 
Okay, Scripture is clear. Drunkenness is wrong. Drunkenness is a sin. But it's not very clear on this issue of alcohol. And so I'm, I, I'm going to partake in it. I'm not going to get drunk, but I'm going to partake in it. That's group three. But then there's group four that, that say, you know what? Like, what is your problem? You guys are a bunch of antiquated, you know, teetotalers, milk drinkers. You know, like they, they mock and, and, and disparage those that have made the decision not to drink alcohol. You see, both extremes are wrong. Both are guilty of the same thing. Both are imposing their, their man-made rules on other believers. Here's the thing. Like I said before, this has been going on for a millennia. You see, Jesus had to confront this. And, and as Paul writes to the Colossians, he points back to the fact that, that Jesus had to wrestle with this. And even though the Old Testament rules pointed to a Messiah, they pointed to Jesus, the religious rulers of the day had added so many different rules on it, rules on top of rules, that instead of pointing to Jesus, the focus was taken away from Jesus. It was distracted from Jesus to the point that when Jesus came, the Messiah came in person, in front of them, they couldn't recognize him. But see, those things were, were, were simply to point to Jesus, that Jesus is the reality. And so just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, I think the challenge to us is this, we need to refocus. We need to refocus. We need to, to focus on, on, on Jesus. We're, we're supposed to be focused on him. And the problem is that our legalism, it takes the focus away from Jesus and puts the focus on us. It puts, puts the focus on, on what we think is important. And Paul gives several illustrations as, as you go through this passage. He, he talks about the judgment for um, being condemned by people for, for not participating in, in the Jewish celebrations, the ceremonies, and their holidays. He also talks about the, the judgment of those that have pious self-denial. And I, I mean, I, I think when I, when I hear that phrase, I, I think of monks, right? Like the life of a monk, they, they isolate, they, they uh, in, in some cases, they punish themselves for their own sin. Uh, they do things to somehow earn the favor of God through their pain and suffering. And they feel that they're earning righteousness by doing that. Pious self-denial. There's certain foods that they won't eat. There's certain things they won't do. They won't marry. They won't do all these other things, right? Pious self-denial. It, it, those things, Paul says, listen, that's a problem. Because you're, you're, you're adding human rules on top of what the Bible tells us is good conduct or, or wise decisions. You see, it really does come back to this idea of legalism versus liberalism. And the fact is, they're both wrong. Because they both impose human teaching on people that have been redeemed by, by Jesus, that have been bought out by Jesus. Let me, let me explain it with a different illustration and, and see if you can identify the, the four groups in this. 
So I think I've told you guys before, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty legalistic environment, a pretty legalistic church. So back in the day, if you participated in Halloween, you were worldly, right? Like you were, you were sinful. And, and I'll be honest with you, like I bought into that. Like, you know, you looked at other people, other Christians that participated in Halloween, and it was like, that's the devil's holiday, right? Okay, but now there were people that, that made that decision, and they held everyone else to their standard. They, they could quote Bible verses, usually out of context, but they could quote Bible verses to support their idea, but they, they would get upset if everyone else that didn't follow their rules and guidelines about not participating in Halloween. Okay? But then there were some people that just made that decision. Right? They, didn't, they didn't participate, but they didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't make a big show about it. They didn't, they didn't broadcast it to everyone else. They didn't demand that everyone else did what they were doing. They just made a choice. And then there was others that, that just they participated in Halloween. They, did, you know, they didn't try to make a big deal about it at church. They didn't show up on Sunday morning in their Halloween costume. Right? They, didn't make a, they didn't make a show of it, but they participated in it. But I'll be honest with you, I was probably of that, of that last camp that now, you know, the pendulum kind of swings the opposite direction sometimes. And, and in looking back, in hindsight, I've judged those people, both the ones that, that imposed it on others, but I've judged the people that just made that decision. Because I look back at it and I go, well, I, why? Like, how? Like, that's such a, a man-made rule. You see, in some ways, I'm just as guilty as they were because, because I, I've allowed the pendulum to swing the other direction and, and I'm judging them for judging me. See, that's legalism and that's liberalism. And both of them, both of them are wrong. In verse 22, it says, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. See, here's the thing. We are all born with this. We're all born into the bondage of sin. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of what he did for us on the cross, in fact, verse 14 talks about the, the fact that Jesus' payment wiped out our slate. It, made, it, it took all of our guilt away. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, if we have faith and trust in what he has done, he has paid for our sins. And we are no longer in bondage to sin. Amen? That is a, the, the gospel in its core. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. But here's the problem. When we impose our man-made religious rules on people, here's what we're doing. We're 
We're putting them back in bondage again. We're, we're saying, yeah, what Jesus did was okay. That, that gets you into heaven. But here's some additional rules that you need to follow. We, keep, we, we put people back in bondage by, by imposing rules and ideas that are man-made religious rules, not biblical principles. You see, that's the problem with legalism. The problem of, of, of putting people back into bondage. Verses 20 through 23 says this. It says, you have died with Christ. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You see, there is good news. There is good news, the fact not only did Jesus free us from our sin, but he has freed us from the power of legalism. Because he has set you free. We are free. We're free from man-made religious rules. And if we refocus, if we focus on what Jesus has done for us, the fact that he, he paid for our, our sin, he, he bought us out of the sin market, he, he gave us freedom. And if we focus on what Jesus is doing in us and through us, right, the fact that he has raised us in new life, just as baptism pictures, you see, then we will have true freedom, the freedom that Jesus designed for us. I can't help but think of the, the phrase that we use at the end of weddings. We, we say this, we say, what God has joined together, let no one break apart. Or if you like the traditional version, what God has put together, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder, right? I feel like there's, a, there's an opposite statement to that. You see, what Jesus has paid for freedom, let no one imprison again. You see, what, what Jesus has paid for, we, we can't put people back in chains. So just remember this. Legalism enslaves, but Jesus, Jesus frees. You see, man, man-made Religious rules puts us back into bondage. But Jesus frees us from, from the penalty of our sins, but frees us also from the judgment of others and frees us from the fact of judging others. Because, you see, if what Jesus has done for us and freed us, he has done for others that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And, and so when we impose that, those those man-made religious rules on top of them, we're, we're, we're putting them in bondage again. But we are free from that. We are free from being judged as well as we are free from judging others. So this morning I'm going to ask you to do this. If you would, stand with me. 
And this morning, if you have been freed by what Jesus has done for you, if you put your faith and trust in him, you, you used to be in bondage. You used to be in chains. But this morning, you can say, I am free. Would you say that with me? I am free. Amen? Amen. We are free from the bondage of sin, but we are also free from the bondage of legalism. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, and they're going to lead us in a, in a song of, of commitment, a song of, of response that points to this idea, the fact that our chains are broken, that we have been made free by what Jesus has done. Let us not put others in bondage when Jesus has freed them. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. If, if you are here this morning, if you are listening online, and you have never made the, the decision to follow Jesus, you, you have heard a very clear explanation of what it means to be a just follower. Because we're all born in sin. We, we all were there. But some of us have had the, the amazing experience of being freed from our sin because we put our trust in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Jesus died, he shed his perfect blood to pay the price for our sin. He bought us out of the sin market so that we would be free, so that we could stand before a holy and righteous God. We could have a restored relationship with him in the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I would encourage you to make that decision to put your trust in him. For those of you who have already made that decision, let us not put one another back in bondage. But let us live in our freedom, the freedom to focus on Jesus, to follow Christ, to make biblical decisions, not man-made decisions. Let's use our freedom to point others to Jesus. Our gracious God, we, we come before you this morning God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together and to worship you. And, and we want to honor and praise you and worship you and thank you for the fact that, that you, have, you have sent your son to die on a cross, to defeat sin, to overcome death, to raise from the dead so that we might live a new life in him. God, we thank you for that truth. Help us to live with that freedom and understand that we should not put others back in chains. God, we want to love you and worship you and honor you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name.